middle Sunday in a three-week series that I started last Sunday called 2020, A Year for Getting Closer. Uh, the focus of last week's message was getting closer to God. And uh, if this is your church home and you weren't able to be here last week, I would really encourage you uh, to go to our website and uh, catch up, uh, listen to that message. I think that's a good practice to uh, just always do that so you stay aware of uh, what's going on. And in this series, I'm asking us individually and collectively as a church family to make three commitments this year. Uh, the first one is this commitment to getting closer to God. Uh, the second is a commitment to getting closer to each other. And the third is a commitment to getting closer uh, to the lost, uh, getting closer to those who uh, are far from God, getting uh, closer to those who uh, have not yet received Christ as Savior. And so these are three commitments that I really hope we as a church family are going to be willing to make throughout 2020. And today's focus is on getting closer uh, to each other. It's my hope and prayer that throughout this year, every person who calls Vineyard Pataskala their church home will make this commitment of getting closer to others within our church family. And here's the reason that we need to make that commitment. There, there may be many reasons, but here's a very important reason why we need to make that commitment. Because the truth is that we very much need each other. We very much need each other. Now, we convince ourselves that we don't need other people in our lives. But that is a very misguided thought. Oftentimes, what happens to us is that relational disappointment convinces us that we really just don't need other people, that we would be better off without other people. Or, or maybe we realize that we actually do need people, but disappointment just convinces us that it's not worth the effort. It's just not worth it. Whether inside the church or outside the church, you may have noticed that other people have an annoying tendency to let us down. Have you noticed that? To fail us in some way. To hurt us. And whether they do this intentionally or unintentionally, eventually we get to the place where we can be tempted to say, nope, just not bothering with that anymore. Not going to do that. I'm done. I'm done. Disappointments with friendships can lead us to the place where we determine that being let down by people just isn't worth it. And when we get to that place, we often determine that we would be better off to practice what's been termed a me and Jesus version of Christianity. You know, I think I'm just going to go with me and Jesus, and I'm not going to bother with anyone else. And this is a real temptation that Christian people uh, face is let's just let's just go this with me and Jesus and be done with everyone else. Last week's message emphasized that Jesus must be our most important relationship in life. And one of the reasons that Jesus has to be our most important relationship is because because of what I've just acknowledged. People let us down. People are fallible. They will always let us down at some point. Not only do we get let down uh, by our friends, but if you're honest with yourself, you know that you let others down. You sometimes fail to provide what others need from you. Uh, all of us, uh, all any of us have, uh, other than Jesus, are fallible friends. And that's a great realization for us to just embrace. Other than Jesus, the only people in my life are fallible. They're, they're eventually going to let me down in some way. And so Jesus must be our most important relationship. But just because people will let us down doesn't mean that we don't need other people. We really do need other people. We need each other. In fact, God has made it quite clear in his word, the Bible, that we very much need each other. Yes, he's our most important relationship, 
but we really need each other. And God has made this very clear in the pages of the Bible. And so the way I want to begin today is, uh, well, this is the way we'll spend most of our time together today, is I want to share six things that we find in the Bible about our need for each other. Six things that make it clear that we can never allow hurt or disappointment to cause us to bail out on connecting with other believers. We can never allow the fact that we've been let down by other believers to cause us to turn our back on other believers for this me and Jesus approach to life and faith. By the way, I'll just tell you, the Bible knows absolutely nothing about a version of Christianity that is me and Jesus only. The Bible doesn't know anything about that. The first thing I want us to see in the scriptures today is that God has given us to each other. God has given us to each other. The Christian community, the church, the body of Christ, this is God's doing. It's his idea. He placed us together. He has given us to each other. Our being together is God's plan. Romans 12.5 tells us this. In Christ, we who are many form one body, and get this next part, and each member belongs to all the others. You belong to all the other people in here. We don't often think of it that way, do we? You belong to all the others. If you're in Christ, you're part of his one body belonging to every other member of the body. It's true that we come to faith in Jesus individually. It's true that we're going to stand before God someday and give an account of ourselves. But when we belong to Jesus, we belong to his body. We belong to and with other members of God's family. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says much the same. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We are a part of it. The body of Christ. The it is all believers. We are individual parts of the whole. We belong to the whole. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it's made very clear that all of this is God's doing. All of it is God's plan and God's design. Here's what that verse says. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Someone believes in Jesus and God places them in his body just as he wants them to be. We need each other because as believers we were made for each other. We were given to each other by God himself. Our connection with each other is God's doing. It is God's plan for us. Now think of how arrogant it would be. For us to say to God, hey God, listen, I know that your word says you've placed me within your body just as you want me to be, but God, I can't take these people anymore. <laughs> so even though this is your specific plan for me, I have a better plan. I'm just going to launch out on my own. And I'm going to serve you apart from all of these annoying people that you, for some reason, intentionally connected me to. God, I, I'm sorry, but I can't conclude anything else, but you got that one wrong. It's vitally important 
that we understand that God has given us to each other. It's vitally important. We are, with all of our problems, with all of our shortcomings, get this, we are gifts from God to each other. Let me personalize this. I am a gift from God to you. You are a gift from God to me. Kevin Tress is a gift from God to Stan. Stan is a gift from God, well, <laughs> Stan is a gift from God. To everybody. We are all gifts from God to each other. We really are. With all of our problems, that is who we are to each other. That's who we are. God has placed us together for our good. He knows that as imperfect as we are, as often as we may let each other down and disappoint each other, we're still good for each other. We still need each other. And so he has placed us together for some very specific reasons. Here's one. God has placed us together to love each other. Now certainly, there, there's, a, there's an emerging theme here. Certainly we do this imperfectly. But God knows that we need love from other people. And so he has placed us together to love each other. Romans 12.10 tells us, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. In John 13.34, Jesus said to his followers, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now I'm thankful that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can directly receive the love of God in very real and very profound ways. Where we know that we're experiencing the very presence of God, that we're experiencing directly the love of God. But I'm also thankful that God has given us to each other to love one another. And I'm thankful that God uses other people to show us love throughout our lives. It's been said that sometimes we need God with skin on. It's a phrase that communicates that sometimes we need a flesh and blood person to be a conduit of God's love for us. It's nice to sense God's arms enveloping us. But sometimes we need flesh and blood arms to wrap around us and tell us that we are loved. It's nice to know that in every situation God is working for our good, but sometimes we need to be on the receiving end of a loving act by a flesh and blood person. And God's given us to each other for this purpose, to love each other. Now, if we can just be honest today, from my own experience, I will tell you that I've not yet found the person who, is, who, who has loved me in the exact way I'd like them to in every situation in life. Michelle comes close, but even Michelle sometimes gets the love languages wrong. Sometimes, not often. You are acting very uncomfortable. This is a compliment. <laughs> she comes closer than anybody else. Okay? Relax, everybody. This was actually a positive thing for her. Okay? But I've not yet found the person who is able to love me in the exact way I'd like them to in every situation. We simply don't love each other perfectly. But there are many people that God's brought into my life within the body of Christ that while they don't love me perfectly, I do know that they love me. And I appeal to us today not to demand perfection from others in order to receive love from them. We can receive the love that God intends for us to receive from each other much better if we will settle once and for all 
that people do not have to love us perfectly to truly love us. They just don't. God has placed us together to love each other. Going hand in hand with that, he has placed us together to care for each other. Romans 12, 13 says, Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Just in that one really short verse, you see at least two types of care there. Helping someone who is lacking in some way, practicing hospitality, inviting people into your life. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens encompasses a whole lot of things. It encompasses simply being aware uh, of the struggles of another person, caring about those struggles enough to pray for them and support them, uh, walking with someone through their trial, saying, look, I may not be able to fix what's gone wrong in your life, but I can certainly walk with you. I can be there to support you and encourage you. You're not alone. We need that kind of encouragement from each other. And in fact, that's the next thing that I've listed on your outline. God's given us to each other, placed us together to love and care for each other, and to encourage each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us to encourage one another and build each other up. I think that most of us live under-encouraged lives. We need more encouragement than what we get. Now, I, I love Ohio State's former football coach, Urban Meyer, uh, but this story I'm going to tell probably isn't the most flattering story that one could tell about him. I, I remember when Urban Meyer first became the Ohio State coach, and there was this game where they had been talking about the wide receivers on the team needing to step up and do a better job with some of their responsibilities. And in this particular game, there was one of the wide receivers who it was demonstrated throughout the game that he had actually learned his lessons and he was actually doing the things that the coaches and the media had been talking about were needed from the wide receivers. And so on one particular play, he did something almost to perfection, the way everybody wanted it done. And the camera caught him coming off the field, looking at Urban Meyer for affirmation. And Urban Meyer just turned away from him and, and walked away as if nothing special had ever happened. He completely ignored him. And people saw this. And so in the interview, I think it was after the game, maybe it was the next day, but at some point there was an interview where he was asked about this, and his response went something like this. I didn't feel like he needed congratulated for doing what he's supposed to do. And you know, my first reaction was, that's right, you tell him, coach. And then my next reaction was, oh, I would hate that if I were a player. <laughs> well, I think it's usually unintentional. I think far too often we act like that with each other. We fail to notice a job well done and offer encouragement. Or maybe we do notice, we think about it, but we just fail to take the next step and offer some type of encouragement or affirmation uh, to the person that in our own minds, we did notice, oh, that was a good thing that they did. Or, 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 you know, hey, I prayed for you this week. Beyond that type of encouragement, a significant source of encouragement we need to be to each other is refuge from the world. Refuge from the world. You know, we go out there and the world has a tendency to kind of beat us up. And what should happen is that we should be able to come into the Christian community, come into the church, and get built back up. Encouraged to be able to go out and fight another week. So one of my appeals today for us is that we would be sure to remember this vital role that we play in each other's lives. And let's be really mindful of our role of encouraging each other. Let's look for ways to encourage each other. We need more encouragement than what we get. A note. 
Sending a note is a great way to offer encouragement. A verbal thanks for a job well done. A quick prayer for strength for the coming week. All of these kind of things are ways that we can encourage each other. Simple things. Simple things. But they make a big difference. God has placed us together for this purpose. So let's make sure we're fulfilling our purpose of encouraging each other. The next point on your outline is one that I don't think we think about very often. God intends our relationships with each other to be a witness to the world. To be a witness to the world. John 13, 35. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now my understanding of what Jesus is saying there is that they'll know uh, that you're my disciples because of your love for one another within the church community. When the world sees how you love each other as believers, uh, they are going to know that you belong to me. It's supposed to be a witness to the world that we belong to Jesus. How we love and care for each other, how we encourage each other, how we support each other through trials, how we pray for each other, how we meet each other's needs if we're able to do so. These things all bear witness to the fact that we belong to Jesus. Let us never forget that one of the responsibilities of the church is that we have been put together by God to demonstrate to the world what a Christ-centered community is supposed to look like. To show the love and care and encouragement that a Christ-centered community is supposed to be offering to the world. And finally, and this is a big one, God has placed us together for a very specific kind of encouragement God has placed us together to encourage each other to keep believing. To keep believing. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 say this. See to it, brothers. So we're talking to believers here. See, see to it, brothers. That none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. The writer was concerned about believers turning away from the living God. Goes on, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And then originally I wasn't going to cover this verse, but it has to be covered the more I thought about this. Verse 14 we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence that we had at first. That deserves its own sermon right there. Here's what verse 14 means. That perseverance in faith until the end is a necessary confirmation that we have been born again. Making it to the end in faith shows that we were real. That we had indeed come to share in Christ. And so because of this, Paul appeals to the believers to not turn away from God in unbelief. And in verse 13, he tells us that we have a vitally important role to play in each other's lives. We are to encourage one another so that we don't become hardened by sin's deceitfulness and turn away from Jesus. There is no more important role that we play in each other's lives than this one, to encourage each other to keep believing and persevere in faith until the end. The body of Christ has fulfilled this role in my life many, many times. 
I don't know about the rest of you. Actually, I do think I know about the rest of you, but I'll just speak for myself. I've noticed that I have a tendency to drift away. To drift away. My thinking can sometimes get a little cloudy. My commitments sometimes can start to weaken. But I've seen it over and over and over again that when those things start to happen in my life, Sunday morning arrives. I gather to worship with other believers. I hear the preaching of God's word. And I'm encouraged. It, it's a nudge back on the path. It's a nudge. And I leave with my commitment to Christ strengthened and my resolve to persevere in faith increased. Or when I'm starting to feel weak in faith, it's home group night. And I go and gather with other believers. And here's something that I have noticed. Just being with other believers encourages me in my faith. Just being with other believers helps to get me back on the path. I've had times, not in my current home group, but I've had times when the discussion at home group really wasn't all that good. Again, not, not in my current home group. The, the discussions are always scintillating in my current home group. Maybe it was an off night for the snacks, which probably meant that I brought them. I've been in home groups where nothing very impressive happened, but just being with other believers encouraged me and helped get me back on the path. We need each other. We help each other to keep believing. We encourage each other to persevere in faith. John Piper, who's a pastor that I really respect and who I think you should read a whole lot of his books, he wrote about this responsibility to encourage each other toward persevering in the faith. And here's what he said. Christian friendships exist for this. To say things that will keep each other believing. Small groups exist for this, to say things that will keep each other believing. Christian education exists for this, to say things that will keep each other believing. Christian counseling exists for this, to say things that will keep each other believing. Christian marriage and parenting exist for this, to say things that keep each other believing. And of course, we can add to that. Christian worship services exist for this, to say things and to sing things that keep each other believing. We can personalize it. Walking with Jesus classes and women's classes and men's classes exist for this, to say things that will keep each other believing. And we could go on and on and on. Everything that we do within the body of Christ, part of the function of it, is to encourage one another toward perseverance in faith. God has given us to each other. Our existence as the church is God's idea. It is God's doing. He's responsible for it. He has put us together, joined us together. He's done that so that we would love and care for each other and encourage each other. He's done it so we would be a witness to the world. And he's placed us together to encourage us to keep believing and persevere in faith until the end. He's placed us together because while he needs to be our most important relationship, he knew that we needed each other. And since that's God's assessment, you can be absolutely certain that it is true. We really do need each other. And because we need each other, we need to be committed to getting closer to each other. We need to be intentional about getting closer to others within the body. 
we each need to be willing to take initiative to get closer to each other. Because we need each other, and because that places on us a responsibility to commit to getting closer to each other, we all need to be aware of and committed to something that I have termed on your outline the indispensable ingredient of life in the body of Christ. The indispensable ingredient of life in the body of Christ is this. Are you ready? Consistent participation. Consistent participation. Have you ever heard it said that 90% of success is showing up? I think sometimes it's said as 80% of success is showing up. Woody Allen once said something like 99% of all of life is just showing up. There have been various takes on it, but, but I like the 90%. 90% of success is just showing up. I can tell you agree. <laughs> this is true of life in the body of Christ. You're never going to receive what God designed us to provide each other if you're not committed to showing up. If you're not committed to consistent participation. And friends, this is not just my view because I'm the pastor of a church that wants people to show up to it. I know that's what you think. I know you think that when I talk about attendance to things. Oh, Brian, he just wants a bunch of people here so he can feel good about himself. <laughs> I, I know that's what a bunch of you think. And it's not true. Honestly, you've beat that out of me. It's just not true anymore. <laughs> there was a time it might have been true, but it's been beat out of me. It is not true anymore. You and God together have beat me down to pure motives. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but this isn't just my view. It's the view of Scripture. Here's what Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 say. Let us consider how we may, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Evidently, the problems we face in the church today, they faced in the church then. Paul, how many weeks has it been since Matthias has been to church? They, they, they evidently had these conversations. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. If you're going to experience the benefits that God intended in giving us to each other, you have to be committed to showing up, to being intentional about being together, to be committed to consistent participation. All of the opportunities we have for getting together here at the Vineyard should be viewed by all of us as opportunities to spend time with friends. It should be viewed as scheduled time with friends. We are susceptible to extremely irrational thoughts. We convince ourselves that relationships within the body of Christ should just happen. That we should be able to show up or not show up. Come to church, not come to church. Attend home group or don't attend home group. Be involved in a ministry or don't be involved in a ministry. And relationships should form and grow either way. It's delusional. It's not true. 
It's not true. Relationships form and grow. We get closer as we are intentional. As we consistently show up and participate. We also convince ourselves of inaccurate things like this. Formal meetings don't really represent legitimate friendships. I mean, home group, those guys, I mean, they have to be there. Brian tells them they have to go. Just a formal meeting. These we, we convince ourselves that life should be like when we were little kids. And we had a next door neighbor who was our best friend. And neither one of us had anything to do. And so all we had to do was stumble outside. And we could be together all day long. Every day. And if that's not what I get in the church, I don't have any real friendships. Once we leave childhood, valued friendships are not marked by constantly being together without any planning. Valued friendships are marked by intentionally planning time together, which is a necessity of adult life. The formality of scheduled meetings and even the formality of a facility like this one that houses much of the relationship building that happens. These things are not like relics of illegitimate friendships. These are structures that support friendships within the body of Christ. This is our house. This is our home. And our meetings are our scheduled time when we sit down together around the dinner table. This is how we should think of these things. Is your scheduled family dinner a sign of an illegitimate relationship with your family? Or is it a sign that you value your family? And so you schedule time to be with them. Yes, we have groups that meet in homes to take our relationships outside of these four walls. Yes, we hope that you're going to develop close friendships with people that will result in spending time in each other's homes. But what happens here and what happens in our formal meeting times is the way that we affirm our importance in each other's lives. It is the way that we remain committed to each other and it is one of the ways that we receive the love and care that God has given us to each other to receive. We need each other. We were made for each other. And we get closer to each other as we commit to consistent participation in the life of the church. So look, I've been a pastor now for 18 years. I have pastored this church, it'll soon be. Uh, 15 years. And, and, and I have seen what I'm about to tell you about over and over and over again. Okay, and here it is. The difference between people who come to the church for a while, this is true at Eastside Vineyard, it's true here. The difference between people who come to the church for a while and then leave, often lamenting that they were unable to connect with others, and those that come to the church and stick and testify of the warmth and kindness that they've received from others, the difference is almost always, there are exceptions here and there, but almost always the difference is that the first group sits back and does not participate, and the second group commits to consistent participation. They attend worship service every week. They get involved in a home group. And they're there almost every time. They get involved in the ministries of the church. They serve. 
They show up at special events, fellowship nights, potlucks, all the different things that happen. They attend women's events and men's breakfast. They include their kids in the ministries of the church that are designed for kids. When people do this, what happens is they get closer to other people in the church. And they receive the love and the care and the encouragement that we were given to each other to provide for each other. We need each other. And so I'm asking every person that considers this your church home to commit to getting closer to each other this year. And a huge part of that is making a commitment to consistent participation. As I've phrased it in the past, you make a commitment to doing what your church does. Because we need each other, literally everything that we do at Vineyard is intended, like underlying it somewhere, is the purpose of building relationships with each other. Part of the purpose of every event and every ministry is to help us build our relationships with each other, to help us get closer to each other. And so I want to share a, a list of opportunities for getting closer to each other. I might overlook something, but this is going to be a pretty thorough list of opportunities to get together, get closer with other people here at Vineyard Christian Church. There wasn't enough room to put it on your outline, so if anything resonates with you here that you hadn't thought of before, write it down. Here we go. You won't be surprised by this one. Sunday services. You all are here. You know, I'm preaching to the choir. Of course, maybe you weren't here for the last six weeks. So, you, you know, who, who, who knows? Um, but Sunday services. This is our sort of base level commitment to each other. Sunday services. We meet together every week to worship together. To learn from the word of God together. Pray for each other. That happens almost every Sunday here, both formally and informally. Formally, as we invite you up after the, the sermon, informally, it can happen anywhere in the building at any time that two Christians decide they want to pray together. We pray together. We train our children on Sunday mornings in the ways of the Lord. We fellowship before and after service. And if you're taking full advantage of Sundays, you'll often be inviting someone to join you for lunch after service. Great opportunities for getting closer. 52 opportunities every year with multiple opportunities all 52 Sundays. All kinds of things. All kinds of possibilities for how you can get closer within our Sunday services. Next, home groups. We call them connect groups here at the Vineyard. Meet with a smaller group of people, which gives an opportunity to get to know several people in a closer way than what's typically possible on Sundays. You discuss the Bible together. You learn of each other's concerns and needs. You support each other in a smaller setting than the entire congregation. Home groups often create a good environment for even closer friendships to form. Uh, couples realize they really hit it off with another couple, and then that relationship blossoms beyond the home group setting. Most of our home groups usually have about 16 to 18 meetings per year, so there are lots of opportunities for getting closer with home groups. Serving in ministry. Often some of the closest friendships in churches come from serving together. There's a certain closeness that comes from working on a team with someone else. And those relationships are good and helpful in and of themselves. And sometimes serving together results in a couple of people really clicking with one another. And then that friendship really blossoms even outside of the serving setting. I want to insert here something that I've talked about before, but I actually think it's been a couple years. And I think it's worth mentioning. We shouldn't demand that every friendship within the church become a best friend to consider it to be valuable and helpful to us. You know, we only have the capacity for so many best friends. <clears throat> All levels of friendship are good. All levels of friendship 
are needed. And all levels of friendship provide some of what we need uh, from each other, some of what we were put together to give each other. So here's how I kind of see it. I think those of us who are part of this church, we should be friendly with everyone in the church. If there's someone you're not friendly with, you need to fix it. <laughs> okay. All right. That's, pre- that's pretty basic. Um, now, I know as well as anybody, everything can't always be fixed. But you should try. You should try. So we should be friendly with everyone. And then... We hope and we trust and we pray that some friendships are going to get a little bit closer. And some of the structure we have enables that. Like the home group friendships will be a little bit closer than, than all of us together on Sunday. Those friendships are going to be a little bit closer. But, but then we hope that even from there, there are some friendships that develop where you could say, you know, I've actually become quite close with that person. And maybe, just maybe, Something's going to develop where you could say, you know what, I have found a best friend within the, the context of our church family. Now, you don't have many truly best friends throughout life, so, so I can't promise everybody five or six best friends, but, but you may develop a really close friendship where you say, man, this is one of the best friends that I have ever had. But here's the point. We don't all have to be best friends to understand that we need each other and to appreciate who we are to each other at whatever level our relationships progress to. We need all levels of friendships. We need each other. Okay, let me go on. Events. Events specifically designed for men and for women. Men's breakfast and Bible studies and outings women's breakfast and Bible studies and various special events. Together, between men's events and women's events, there are usually dozens of opportunities for getting together with other people, for getting closer throughout the year. All church fellowship events. Times when we say, hey, we're all getting together. Church picnic, a potluck, a karaoke night, whatever it might be. These are opportunities for getting closer with each other. We actually have one of these coming up, okay? It was in your bulletin. It's called Dinner for Everyone. Dinner for Everyone, January 29th. It's a Wednesday, 6.30 to 9 p.m. We are asking you to bring either chili or soup or a salad to share, okay? The church will provide all the other stuff. That's a wonderful time. That's an opportunity to get closer to your friends within the body of Christ. Here's a real commitment you can make to getting closer to people within your church family this week. If your schedule permits it, come to every all-church fellowship that we have. We don't do that many of these. We're not trying to like keep you like rushing around all the time. We try to be thoughtful. We try to do them here and there in the middle of all the other stuff that's going on in the life of the church. But when we do them, you should say, this is an opportunity for me to get closer to my church family. Here's a wonderful ministry we have for helping people get closer to each other. Dinner for six. Dinner for Six. If you're not familiar with it, you sign up for Dinner for Six. We're going to have sign-ups available for it in the next week or two because February and March will be our next scheduled times for Dinner for Six. And what we do is we take you and we pair you with a total of six people, randomly pair you with six people in the congregation for you to go out to dinner with one time over a two-month period. It's just a way to broaden Uh, our friendships, to help us get to know more people within the body of Christ. It's been great. Yeah. So, so look, I don't mean what I'm about to say to sort of like be negative. 
Um, but I just want to, I just want to like demonstrate something for you. Okay, this is an opportunity to get to know other people in the congregation to draw closer. We probably have about 175 adults. Uh, that are either members or like actively involved in the life of our church. There are more people that intersect with us from time to time, but there are probably about 175 fairly committed uh, adults that call this their church home. And Heather, correct me if I'm too far off, but I think we have somewhere around 65, 70 people participating in Dinner for Six. This is a huge missed opportunity. It's a huge missed opportunity, Okay. So, so we have, you know, over a hundred committed adults who are not taking advantage of a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that we've created, thanks to Kyle Snyder for the wonderful idea, uh, to help you get to know each other better. And so what I hope is that when we get that sign-up sheet out there in the next week or two, that those of you who are not participating in Dinner for Six, again, it's one time over a two-month period of time. It's, it's, it's not that difficult. And the benefits of it are wonderful. Okay? And so I hope that you will do that. If you add up all of these opportunities, 52 Sundays a year, somewhere around, if you put them all together, 100 or so connect group meetings a year, dozens of men's and women's events, combine all the service opportunities together, there's literally hundreds of opportunities to connect with people while serving, multiple all-church fellowship events throughout the year, five opportunities for a dinner for six, limitless opportunities to take the initiative, invite, invite someone to your home or invite someone out to eat, Here's what all this means. The structure is in place to help you get closer to each other. The structure is here to help you get closer. But we individually have to make a commitment to do it. We have to commit to participate. We have to commit to be intentional, to take the initiative, to show up. And if we do that, it goes a long way toward getting closer to each other. So, I'm asking you, if this is your church, make a commitment to get closer to each other in 2020. Take a step. Wherever you're at now, just take another step. If you're faithful to Sunday service, start attending a home group. That would be a next step for you. If you're faithful to home groups, start serving. That would be a next step that you could take. If you're doing all that, take the next step. Come to fellowship events. Join dinner for six. Take the next step. Invite someone to lunch after church. Take the next step. Invite someone over to your house. Make a commitment to get closer to each other this year. And as we do this, we'll see that we're more fully receiving what God has given us to each other to receive. Love, care, encouragement, help in believing and persevering to the end. We really do need each other. So let's commit to getting closer to each other. Why don't you stand?